there's a part of me that you don't even know and you'll never know. And that's not only about like sexuality or like sex or anything like that. Hey guys, welcome back to Starring Milana, the podcast. I'm your host, Milana, and this is the fourth episode in season three. And we're just moving right along this season. Um, I'm not sure how long the season's gonna last, but right now we're breezing through. Um, this week we're talking about everything from my high school days, Donald Trump Jr. on The View, and the hymen. My hymen, to be exact. All hymens. Everyone's hymens. We're talking about all the hymens today. If you're new here, we have three segments. The first one is called BTS, where we recap my past week. The second segment is called Talkworthy, where we pick a few things going on in the media, and we try to offer a new or different perspective. And the third segment is called Dropping Gems, where we pick a topic of the week, and we drop a few gems. So before we get into this episode, first I want to say Happy Veterans Day. And um, thank you for sacrificing your lives, your time with your family, and your sanity. I mean, everything that veterans sacrifice to protect this country. So I want to say happy Veterans Day. Um, Another thing, Lena walked in here today, and usually we say a prayer before we start. And she's been praying. Sometimes I pray, sometimes she prays. Today she told me she can't pray. I have to pray. Because she's not wearing a bra. And if you're not wearing a bra, you can't pray. I have never heard this in my life. I pray every day without a bra in my bed. (laughs) It's a joke. Um, No, she just got a spray tan and she thought it would be a good idea to walk in here without a bra. Thank you for swinging those titties back and forth in my apartment. Welcome back. Let's just get into it. Let's start with the BTS segment. Um, It's been a pretty busy slash boring fucking week. Not much has been going on besides just working. Uh, I think, you know, you guys know, I go to work. I work full time. 9 to 5, more like a 10 to 6.30. That's what, I would, that's what I would call it. And then to come home and I work on my podcast. Lena and I work on our production company. And, you know, last Tuesday we, worked, we got home at 1 a.m. from an editing session. I mean, we've just been working nonstop. So that's why I say it's been busy but boring because, like, really that's what we've been doing. I've barely watched Housewives. I mean, I'm totally caught up with Team Mom. Totally. And the Kardashians. But I'm really slacking on my Housewives. If I want to finish OC... By the end of the year, I need to, like, people are probably wondering, like, I'm so busy. I always claim I'm so busy. How am I um, watching all these shows? I don't want to give away my secrets, but um, DM me if you're wondering how I'm breezing through the housewives. I can't say it on air because I might get in trouble, so just DM me um, if you're curious. Also, I've been thinking about this lately. I don't know how we're going to incorporate it with, like, technology and all that shit, but, like, do you guys think we should give Lena and Mike... Like, I was editing last week's episode, and I can hear her, like, kind of, like, beep, beep, boop, beep, boop in the background, like, snickering and shit. But I'm, like, maybe people should just hear you, you know, like, hear what you have to say. So I'm wondering if we should put her on a mic. Lena, how do you feel about being on a mic? Sure. She says, sure. I think she wants to. She's itching over there. Her leg is shaking. She's ready. <laughs> She's ready. So you guys let me know if you're interested on Lena being on a mic. Um Oh, she can clarify all the things. She can, she can, she can translate because I don't speak English half the time. That's what she, that's where she's getting at. Got it. Okay. Um, so because it's been a pretty boring uh, and busy week, I don't have much to say except I got called Betty Boop. I got called Betty fucking Boop the other day. I was walking out of my workout class at Orange Theory and I was talking to uh, a guy that used to work there but no longer works there. We we're catching up and this woman comes up to me that was in the class, well, to us, in the middle of a conversation, she decides to talk to him. I don't know if she was, like, flirting or just, like, curious about his life, but they're talking for, like, a minute, and I'm standing there, and then she turns around, she goes, by the way, you remind me of Betty Boop. Like, the whole time in the class I was working out, I was looking at you, I was thinking, Betty Boop, Betty Boop, Betty Boop, and I'm like, this is, like, 8 o'clock in the morning, I can't even process what she's saying. I was like, oh, is it because of the hair? Which, by the way, I always, like, envision, remember Betty Boop having short hair. But, like, she had, like, short-ass hair. Like, not a bob. Like, she had, like, no hair, short hair, you know? And I'm like, oh, because of the hair. She's like, the hair, the lashes, the luscious lips. You just remind me of Betty Boop. I'm like, oh, thank you. I think I'm not sure. Like, that's a fucking cartoon. So I'm like, thank you. She walks away, and the guy that was talking to her goes, no, it's because she thinks you're ditzy. That's why she called you Betty Boop. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know if she was trying to, like, shoot on me or what. But, yeah, that was interesting. Um, but you know what? That's a good Halloween costume idea. 
I'll just add it to a list of shit that I'm never going to wear. Yes, Lena? What shoot on me? What shoot on me? Like, like, she's like, like, like no, like, shoot on me, like, hit on me. This is why this bitch needs a mic. No, shoot on me does not mean hit on me. It's kind of like, oh, like, oh, she's shooting, like, 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 kind of like talking shit, like, like, low key. Wow. Wow. Growing up in LA slang versus growing up in what? Middle East? She don't know. Okay. So what else happened this week? I made a playlist. So I don't really listen to music. I listen to podcasts in the car. And when I'm at home, I have like Real Housewives playing or something. And I'm like usually listening. And like when I'm getting ready, I'm watching something as I'm getting ready. It's like kind of in the background. Um, I don't really listen to music. And if I do, it's a Spanish music. I have a Spanish playlist or Drake or The Weeknd. Like that's it for my music and I was working out and the coach was playing I don't know what she was playing like was it Avant I don't know she was playing something I'm like oh my god I remember this song like, oh I like this song so I decided on my walk home from Orange Theory to make a playlist of like the oldies so I go and I listen to first I decided to listen to one so I like searched it on Apple Music and I was like going through it and like almost every song was like a banger but there were some songs I'm like I don't really care about this this is like a little too much past my time like I had just moved to America so that's this one I can't even process so I decided to make my own playlist and I started I put Nelly, I had uh, Mariah Carey, I have like Marcus Houston, like all of the old hits on this playlist. And it just took me back to like a crazy time when like MySpace and relationships were a thing. And when me and my boyfriend, like my eighth grade boyfriend or ninth grade boyfriend would get in a fight, I would go on my MySpace and I would put, you know how you could put a song for your profile, make a playlist. It would all be like Ray J One Wish or like, Mariah Carey, like, we belong together, some, like, sad, weird shit, um, so that he can get, like, a hint, but, like, I love those songs, like, that, the music back in, like, the early 2000s was really, like, uh, they were just, it was smashed, like, Pimp Juice by Nelly, I mean, Nelly, like, I really think Nelly's probably ahead of his time, I don't know, Nelly's just, like, so, now no one's, like, listening to Nelly, I don't even know if he's putting out music, but Nelly was, like, rapping and singing, like, he was, like, the original Drake, you know, Draking. Like, it was the original version of Draking, I would say, anyway. Um, so, yeah, now I have a poppin' playlist, and if you need that, let me know. I'll share it with you. Last night, I went to John and Minnie's, and I um, am now completely, completely, it is confirmed that I am definitely lactose intolerant. Now, here's where it gets confusing, and maybe, like, somebody, you know, one of you guys can, like, explain this to me. Somehow, I can eat cheese, I don't know if this is a mental thing. Somehow I can eat cheese and I'm fine. Like, not like an obscene amount of cheese, but I can eat like pizza and I can put cheese on my pasta and I can like eat cheese and crackers. And my stomach doesn't really hurt. When I have ice cream or I haven't had milk in years, but when I have milk or ice cream or yogurt, I am done. Like, done. Like, the shooting pains are unbearable. And that's what happened last night. I had probably like five scoops of ice cream with a cookie and I was done. Um... I think I need to get one of those like lactose lactose pills that you carry around. What are they called? Lactate? What is that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know. I know why I just said Why is there a difference? More That's what I was thinking. Linda's yeah. saying cheese is more processed. I was thinking that too. With all this shit and cheese. Well, it's like milk and, and ice cream is the like purest form of lactose. Milk and ice cream is the purest form of lactose. Yeah, okay. You guys, you see she's really itching for a mic over here. She no, <laughs> She knows a lot about cheese because apparently she has, she has cheese problems. No, <laughs> She's lactose intolerant. <laughs> okay. I have accepted it. I just like decided to have four spoonfuls of ice cream and died all night. Um, so that was probably the highlight of my week. What else? Okay. So I told you guys last week that I went to the doctor and I got my yearly checkup and they weighed me and that was a whole sad story. Now, also, aside from that, have you waited for test results before? I mean, I forget every year when I go to get my te like my testing with my gynecologist, my yearly checkup, and I'm just like terrified of the results. I don't know why. And I wonder if I'm the only one. It's so bizarre to me because like I know I'm fine. Like, I mean, I don't feel great. Like all these allergies, like I can't explain these allergies are like a new are on like a new level. I can't even talk. Honestly, I can't breathe half the time. Um, this is, I sound so congested and nasally because I can't breathe and I have allergies. But besides that, I'm like, you know, you, you think you're fine. You go into the doctor's office and waiting for those results just gives you, I don't know, so much anxiety. On Sunday night, last Sunday night, I was 
in the car and I get a call at like 7 p.m. And like I answer it. It's like an automated, automated system. It was like, this is Cedar Sinai calling on behalf of your doctor, Dr. Nicole Tyre. And it's like talking, like says my doctor's name and, and, and um, about your recent visit. And I'm like, oh my God, like they said my doctor's name, Cedar Sinai. I'm like, holy shit, like is she trying to connect with me? It's a Sunday night. Like does something come up in my, in, my, in my blood work? Because one time I got a call out of a Thursday at like 9 p.m. from my doctor who was like, I don't know if she was working from home or what, but she saw that my like, um, what are those, the adrenaline? Um, what is the, hormones? not hormones. It's just something that has to do with adrenaline, the blood for, I don't fucking know, cortisone, my cortisone levels. Cortisol. cortisol, whatever the fuck. Those, you see why I'm not in the medical field? Those shits were skyrocketed. She was like, yo, what is wrong? You need to come in, we need to do some testing, like something is wrong with your levels. And she called me on 9 p.m. on a Thursday. So like, Aside from that and, like, my health scare that I had a couple years ago, I'm, like, borderline traumatized from any kind of medical doctor or anything. I even, like, dread going for my checkup. So when I got this call, my blood was, like, I like I could feel my blood from my head to my toes. I was freaking the fuck out in the car. I pressed, like, like it was, like, press zero. I pressed zero, and it was, like, if you were happy with your visit, I lost my shit in the car. I was so upset because, like, you scared the fucking shit out of me, and it was just like an automated system. Anyway, I got my results back. And so I get it via portal, right? And all of the tests come in like one by one. And like you click on it to read. I couldn't even click on my test results. I was so scared of the results. I don't know where this is coming from. And I really want to know if I'm the only one that's this paranoid of like hearing back from the doctor. I really think they should practice the Planned Parenthood system where it's like, if I'm fine, don't say nothing like don't call me don't text me don't email me my results if I'm okay do not contact me I really respect the Planned Parenthood system like they don't try to freak you out unless something is wrong so anyway I get my results I don't even open them I'm so scared I didn't even open my results for two days I don't know what's wrong with me and then finally like I got another email was like a message from your doctor and I was like oh my god like no I have to be fine because if something was wrong she would have called me right like why would she have called me so she emails me she says everything is fine all my my levels are normal mind you I got tested for like everything all the STDs all the STIs I got tested for thyroids I got tested for you know I'm a pescatarian so my iron my B12 my this my that like my red blood my white blood everything so knock on wood I'm good but I'm just wondering if I'm the only one that is this freaked out about doctors. I don't know. Um, and the last thing I'm going to talk about in this BTS segment is my high school reunion, which I'm going to tomorrow. And um, it's a little bit bittersweet, and I'm kind of bitter about it. So let me just recap my high school life. I loved high school. I can go back to high school right now. If Never Been Kissed the movie was real life and they needed somebody to go undercover to go back to high school, I would do it. I could probably pass. People think I'm like 20. Um, I'm 21, but they think I'm 20, right? So <laughs> I'm sure I could pass for a high school student. Anyway, I loved high school. I went to Fairfax, the middle of LA, the heart of LA. Um, and I had a pretty good time. I was voted most popular. I was senior class vice president. I was, oh, Lena's rolling her eyes. I wish she had a mic now. Um, I was most talented. You know, I was a dancer, a cheer captain, everything. Like, I performed in all the showcases. I was, I was in AP and honors classes. I was very involved in my high school in, like, all aspects and, like, every club. Everything you can think of, I was in it. So I knew everybody and everyone knew me, and I had a good time. I really, like, found myself, I feel like, in high school. I don't know if, like, you really find yourself in high school, but, like, my personality really developed, I feel like, in high school. Um, so, but I wonder if I would be the same person or if I would have had the same experience had I went to a different high school. Originally, I was going to attend Hamilton High School. I actually auditioned and got into their dance department in the, interme in the intermediate level, and so I was going to go to Hamilton. The first day of school... I didn't end up going because I was on the Tyra Banks show the first day of ninth grade because I went to her camp and they asked a few of us to go on her talk show. It was her first episode. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go to first. I'm going to miss the first day of high school. I'd rather go on the Tyra Banks show. So I go to the Tyra Banks show, but my best friend Tonya um, went to school that day and she called me. She's like, I hate it. You're going to hate it here. Like, this is not what we thought. We're both in the dance department. I'm like, no, it can't be that bad. Like, you're crazy. Mind you, my parents told me if I wanted to go to Hamilton, I wanted to dance at Hamilton, they were not about to drive me all the way to Hamilton because I lived in West Hollywood. They were like, if you want to go there, you're going to get on a bus. So they, if I had to wake up at 5.50 in the morning, get ready, and at 6.30 I had to leave 
on a bus from my old middle school to go to Hamilton, okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I want to dance. I'm going to be a dancer. I want to go to Hamilton. So I decide to get on this happy-ass bus for the second day of school, and I go with my friend Tonya next to me. We take our little bus trip to day two. I hated it. I knew as soon as I got out of school that day, I could not go to that school. So what did I do? Me and Tonya got on the, on, uh, back on the school bus, went back to our middle school, hopped on public transportation bus, and we went to Fairfax High School. And it happened to be her home school, so she could enroll herself with her mom. Her mom met her there. My parents were at work, and so I decided to enroll myself into high school. I convinced the man at the front desk that I needed to go to this high school. I don't even remember what I said, how this happened, but he enrolled me at school, gave me a set of classes for the next day, and all I had to do was have my parents sign some paperwork. So the next morning, my mom woke me up, like, we got to go to school. I was like, oh, no, I don't have to leave this early. Actually, I just, I go to school 10 minutes away now, go to Fairfax High School. She's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I was like, here's the paperwork, please sign it. So that was it. Day three of school, I attended Fairfax High School, and it was the best experience of my life, and I would go back, like I said. Anyway, with all that being said, it has now been 10 years since I graduated high school. Because I was a part of student government, I felt like it was me and the student senior class, you know, responsibility to do this reunion because we don't have anyone at the school who does these tenure reunions. Like, no one works there. That's not their position. So, like, it's up to the students. So, it took me weeks and months along with Vanessa and a few people on the committee to track down over, like, 300 people. Our graduating class was, like, 500. We tracked down 300 people. Vanessa and I do these walkthroughs at these venues, trying to book a venue, trying to figure out pricing. We have meetings with the committees. We create an event right. We create a bank account. Like, do an Instagram account. Send out a memo. Hey, if we do this really nice venue with food and a DJ and a photo booth, are you willing to pay $55 to attend the reunion. All these people vote yes. Everyone's excited about it. So we create this event, create the Eventbrite, and start selling tickets. And 21 people sold tickets, and seven of those people are the committee people. So you're telling me out of a graduating class of 500 with 300 people tracked down, only 14 people outside of the committee purchased tickets. Literally, fuck everybody. Like, in real life, fuck you all. I wish that I was just living my best life and I got an email saying I'm invited to a really nice, really well-planned reunion. I would be so happy that I didn't have to do any work and all these people had to do was purchase a ticket. And I know it's not about the money because everyone was saying, well, I don't know, like they're last minute. They're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I might be out of town. I'm not sure. So they weren't buying tickets. And a month of this went on and you cannot solidify a venue without a fucking deposit and I'm not paying for your people's good time like you need to pay buy a ticket so we can have a reunion so anyway we had to cancel that reunion somebody from our class was kind enough to donate a certain amount they couldn't make it and they donated it like a nice nice amount so we're taking that money and we're doing our reunion at my fucking worst nightmare of a place Dave and Buster's that's where my 10-year reunion is going to be All my life, all my work, never have I, never would I have imagined that my 10-year reunion would be at a fucking Dave & Buster's. Which one is it? The one in Hollywood. Like, what the hell? I thought I was going to get dressed up, get my makeup done, have a photo booth, have dance with, like, all my old people at a fucking Dave & Buster's. I mean, like, I could wear sweats for crying out loud. I have no outfit. I didn't even diet. I don't give a fuck. Now, I don't care. I don't hope my makeup is going to look like shit. I don't have any appointments. I mean, it'll be a miracle if I got a polish change on my nails. I don't give a shit anymore. I'm so disappointed that we did all this work and we're ending, ending up at, at a Dave & Buster's. These are the moments that Lena needs a mic because she just said to me, I mean, I don't even have one because we can't go back to Saudi Arabia, but like, <laughs> what? <laughs> This bitch really can't go to a high school reunion because it's in Saudi Arabia. And once you're out of there, you just can't go back. Like, you can't visit. Like, what do you mean I can't visit my high school or my old home or anything? Wow, I'm over here complaining about Dave & Buster's. Anyway, it's free, so that's fine. I mean, I might have to pay for a drink, right? I'm going to purchase my own drink because alcohol is not included. Like, we reserved a private room with the funds that were donated. There's food. There's game cards. Like, you guys can have mine because, like, I'm not trying to play games with people. But... 
the photographer is going to be Vanessa in her iPhone. I mean, like, I this is just going to be raggedy, and it's fine. Because I hope at least, like, 40 people come and we can re reconnect with some people. But this is not what I envisioned my reunion to be, you know? Like, I envisioned a ballroom and, like, dresses. And I don't know if I'm, like, in over my head or what here, but this ain't it. But you know what? I'm recording this and a, a little bit earlier per usual. So I'll let you guys know next week how the reunion went. Um, but, uh, yeah, Damon Busters in Hollywood. Wish me luck. So that's about it for BTS. And now we're going to move on to the Talkworthy segment. Not so much like going on in the media this week. There's a few things I want to talk about. It's a little premature, like the Instagram removing likes um, off of their app. So I guess they're trying to test out, like they did this test in Canada, maybe Netherlands, some other places. They're trying to test out what it would be like if they removed likes. So they're going to do it for some U.S. accounts I think next week. So I don't know how I feel about it. I don't really give a fuck. I don't know and I don't care. But like people are saying it's going to be hard now to tell whose followers are legitimate because like you can really tell by the ratio of likes and, and, and followers. So that might be a thing. I think now people are going to really put an emphasis on like comments. Um, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Like I feel like most people give a thumbs up if they like it. You can't give a thumbs down, so they might not say anything at all. Now there's going to be a heavy emphasis on, like, comments. So whether that's good or bad, I, I think a lot of emojis will be used. Um, that's really I – don't, I don't know. I just wish, like I'm, – I'm glad Instagram is, like, trying to make people less insecure, you know, um, trying to make people feel more fulfilled and that, like, comments or likes – or I guess likes, not comments. Likes shouldn't, like – really determine how you feel about yourself. So I get where they're going with this. I just wish they would bring the fucking algorithm back. I mean, like, really, that's all I care about at this point. Um, but I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. What else happened this week? There was an article that came out that said there is a chicken recall. Can we talk about this already? Chicken recall? No, we talked about the chicken contaminating the kitchen if you wash it. And, like, that was two seasons ago. I'm just reminding you. Do you guys remember that? With chicken, like, are you supposed to wash the chicken? Or are you not supposed to wash the chicken? It's going to contaminate your chicken, your kitchen. <laughs> this is exactly what happened last time. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't care. I don't touch chicken. I can't even look at chicken. I have to tell you, like, if my kids want chicken, they're going to have to go out and get their own chicken. I'm not cooking chicken for anybody. You know what I'm scared about? I'm scared that if I get pregnant and I'm trying to have kids and I start craving chicken, like, what am I going to do if I'm craving chicken? Anyway, Basically, over two million pounds, pound, two million pounds, recalled, with because they were contaminated with metal. I don't even know what that means. Um, it's a class one recall, which means it's serious. Um, so yeah, maybe everyone's goal in twenty twenty should be like stop eating chicken. I don't know. It's not that hard. I know it seems hard, but it's not. I went I went to Hot Wings Cafe the other day and like I the only thing that I loved eating for like chicken wise was hot wings and I just ate I ordered zucchini and asked them to make it fried with like buffalo sauce. So it's like eating like hot wings but like fried zucchini. Like it was fine. It's not that hard. Um what else happened? So Kevin McCall was First of all, Kevin McCall. If you don't know who Kevin McCall is, he's a singer, songwriter. I had to say that because I feel like people don't know who he is. I actually interviewed Kevin McCall. He was the first or second person I have ever interviewed like on camera when I had the show with KJLH. So this is so crazy. I'm just thinking about it. Um, he actually also booked me to host his like album release party or something years ago I hosted that wow I actually have a bigger connection with Kevin McCall than I than I remembered um Kevin McCall is a singer and songwriter he was on a song with Chris Brown um god what is that song yeah deuces Kevin McCall is on deuces that's what it is yeah sure okay so anyway he's a singer songwriter and um he's been in the headlines lately, he is used to date Eva Marcel, who is um, an ex-America's Next Top Model contestant. I think she won. And she is now currently on Real Housewives of Atlanta. She's remarried and moved to Atlanta, okay? They used to date. They have a child together. And basically, Kevin McCall and her have been going back and forth, kind of in the headlines. He says that she's keeping his kid from him. She's saying that, like, 
he's not around or what. I don't know what's happening. But basically, they have a child together. And he took her to court because he hasn't seen his son, his daughter in like a really long time. And he took her to court. And so the, the court date was in Atlanta. And so he was in a courthouse in Atlanta walking through the courthouse. And he was live streaming, talking to his fans. And the security guard was like, you can't film in here. And he's like, I'm not filming. I'm live streaming. He's like, no, 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 but you can't film in here. Like, record. He kept saying record. And Kevin McCall's like, but I'm not recording. Like, really just kind of petty. But he got into it with the security guard, I think off camera. I'm not sure what happened. But the footage was, like, seen online. And even Marcel was on the real talk show, the daytime talk show. And they asked her about that clip and what she thought of it. She basically explained the situation, why he was there. And then she went on to say, I told y'all he was crazy. He's crazy. Like, he's this, he's that. So she kind of started talking about him. Now I saw a lot of comments saying, like, she has built up resentment. Like, stop talking about him, whatever. I just have to say this. Like, we don't know their situation. We don't know if he really is crazy, what that even means, um, what their the ins and outs of their situation is with their child we don't we don't know any of that but what I will say is like I don't think it's the best idea to go on national television and say those kinds of things about the father of your child even if he's doing it um I'm not sure what he's done what he said about her in the media but I don't know if she should be doing it um because at the end of the day, like, the daughter will see that. And as the kids grow older, they, they are exposed to these kinds of things. And you don't want to be the parent that's publicly bad-mouthing the other parent. Not even publicly, just privately. I can't stand when couples don't work out and they have a child together and one is, like, saying these horrible things about the other to the child, kind of putting the child in between. I know that's not the case right now because this kid is, like, too young to understand, but this is something that can come up later on in life, and I just don't think it's in anyone's best interest to kind of, like, I don't know, just just call each other these names publicly especially. Um, I don't know what I would be like if I was a baby mama or if I had a child with someone that I was no longer with. I don't know what kinds of things I would be doing, but I will say this. I try to practice, like, how would I want to be treated, right? So I definitely don't think that I would be in that kind of position to say bad things about my kid's father to them. Um, I have a friend whose name I won't say for the sake of leaving her anonymous, but I have never, like, seen anyone more calm, cool, collected. I mean, like... The craziest, the craziest baby daddy drama you can think of. Like, the craziest things that, like, taking the kid out of school without, you know, the permission. I mean, just, like, anything that you can think of, he had put her through everything. He's put her through so much shit. Until this day, they haven't been together in years. Like, they're, they're both moved on happy, whatever. Till this day, there's still moments of when, you know, this happens or they have these instances. And she never says a bad thing about him to anyone really and I know what she's going through anyone really but especially not to the kid and I learned a lot of, I learned a lot from her like that level of like restraint is incredible so and her reasoning for that is you know I don't I don't want to be the one that uh my my kid ends up like resenting because I put these thoughts in their head about their their you know parent their their father so I totally get that um and I don't know that's just how I feel about the situation I feel like these things are meant to be private especially when you guys are going to court like I don't think you're supposed to be on television talking about he's crazy like I don't I don't know about that all right so the last thing I'm going to talk about is a little political kind of like really political <laughs> I don't uh you know what I, I don't mind talking about politics I know it's a sensitive topic but I'm trying to create a dialogue here, um, so let's just get into it. Donald Trump Jr. went on The View, and that is a daytime talk show as well, um, to promote his new book. It's called Triggered, How the Left Thrives on Hate and Wants to Silence Us. Interesting title for a book, really long. Um, he said that he went to promote the book, and he was upset because he said you would think that he was actually going to promote the book, but instead it was like a whole thing. Um, I feel like you knew what you were going to get. Like you were going on The View. You know this, you know what kind of show this is. 
Um, and so he came with backup. He came with his girlfriend and he came with a few millionaire like MAGA supporters and donors that contributed to the campaign. Cause he, and he also came with insults, but he came with those people because he wanted them in the audience so that he felt like supported. Because it, like I said, he knew what he was getting himself into when he went to The View. Um, but, you know... When he went on there at first, I thought, wow, like, I can't believe he's bold enough to go on the show with these ladies because they're very outspoken about his father's presidency. Um, but then I realized that he brought his girlfriend for backup. Um, I think that it was strategic because she's smart. She's a lawyer. She's very well-spoken. But also, she, obviously, she's a woman. And he, they, he probably thought that, like, if I bring her, they'll go easier on me because, you know, there's a woman sitting next to me and she can speak up for a lot of the things. So I thought that was interesting that he brought her and she did chime in a lot. Now, here's another, like, crazy ironic thing. His girlfriend's name is Kimberly Goilfoyle? Goilfoyle? Wow. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to pronounce her name. But she's the ex-wife of Gavin Newsom, who was California's governor. I'm really confused because I think she's a Republican. He's a Democrat. He's a Democratic governor of California. So I don't know what that relationship was like. Maybe that's why they're divorced. I don't know. Anyway, but she that that's crazy to me. But she was on the show. Um, I'm not going to get into all of it. There's a lot. There was a lot that was said on this um, on this interview, and you guys should probably watch it. I thought it was really interesting. But one thing that I did take away from it is um, his girlfriend actually you know, chimed in a couple of times and she said one thing that she said she wants civility from the left. She wants uh, the Democrats and the left to be civil. Um, and I don't know, I feel like that should start where it ended. I don't ever remember this kind of like anger and divide in politics. The, my entire life, I don't remember. Even like when Obama was president, people didn't really agree with him. Some people weren't really ready to see a black president. Some people were really racist. There was some, some really fucked up shit. But generally, there wasn't this like strong hatred and divide. And same thing when Bush was president, even though Kanye said what he said. And same thing with Clinton. I just don't remember seeing this kind of like divide. Um, there was still a level of like respect. And I feel like that's what's been gone. So I think it's, I find it really ironic that Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend is asking for the left to be civil, where it's like, no, 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 this presidency, this campaign is what brought it here. This is why we are where we are, is because of the ruthless and the hurtful and the disrespectful remarks that have been constantly made by the current White House. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what his father's entire campaign was ran on. Um, I'm personally really sick of the divide. I think that, you know, a president's supposed to unite people and the country. Um, and that's just really where I feel like we're going in the complete opposite direction. I don't know what the intention of this book is because I feel like it's just now like pointing fingers and going to make it worse. Like the title, how the left thrives on hate and wants to silence us. Like I, I can't even believe that's the title of his book. I mean, I can't. Actually, I can't fucking believe that was the title of his book. But the left thrives on hate. Um, yeah. No. Nice try, buddy. So staying in the realm of politics, though, a, a lot has been going on on Twitter in regards to black Republicans or blacks for Trump. So I'm not black, um, so I can't really speak on you know, the level of, I don't even know what the word is, the level of irritation that some people may feel when they see fellow black people um, supporting the Republican Party or this president. So I can't really speak on that. But I feel like this this topic was so heavy on Twitter this week. Um, I did want to chime in, and I can, again, I can only speak for myself. So as a woman who likes my own rights, likes my fucking hymen, likes uh, my reproductive rights, and also as an immigrant, I just can't imagine personally voting for a party that doesn't support these things. Now, I'm not saying Republicans don't support immigration, but I support legal and illegal immigration for those who are seeking asylum um, or whoever are in this country trying to become legal or trying to uh, get their citizenship. I support those people. So typically... The right does not support those kinds of um, cases. So for me, automatically, with women's rights and my uh, passion for immigration, being an immigrant myself, I'm on 
automatically going to side and vote as a Democrat. It's not just Trump. I can't support any Republican or even a Democrat whose um, core values don't really align with mine. Like Now, don't get me wrong. You're never going to have a candidate or just people in general, people you encounter in life, who you're going to agree with on mostly everything, right, on every single thing. That's not reality, and that's definitely not the reality of politics. You're not going to agree with every single thing that your president, your uh, congressman, your governor believe in. You're not going to believe in the same things. But you have to figure out what th- the core beliefs are. What are the things that you will not budge on, right? And for me, it is immigration and women's rights. So, you know, I could budge a little bit with conservative spending, um, military aid. Like, these are things where I could budge. If there was a Republican candidate who I thought who was more liberal in their views for women's rights or was more liberal when it came to immigration, um, but everything else was, you know, standard conservative beliefs when it comes to, like, America and um, America's aid and military and um, our spending and taxes. If there was uh, a Republican candidate that had those beliefs but still was liberal on my views, there may be a chance where I will support them, right? I'm not saying I wouldn't, but at the end of the day, I feel like, You need to find what values are important to you. I am a child of an immigrant who is from the Soviet Union, right? And most immigrants who moved here from the Soviet Union or from Eastern Europe, they have conservative views. So they automatically move here. And all other immigrants, legal or illegal, they have conservative views and a lot of them vote as Republicans. My family, friends, people I know, that just is what it is. It's always been like this. So with that being said, like just because that's your family beliefs or just because maybe you're, this is what Kanye said, like just because you're black doesn't mean you have to be a Democrat. We can't really dictate what or who people should vote for. It's none of your business why they're voting for for certain people. But I will say, if you are lost and you don't know what direction to go in, don't just give up all hope and not vote altogether. This was the problem in the last election. So we have a year. And at this point, this is where I, I wanted to talk about this because I feel like this is when we have to start researching, figuring out, dig within, like as you get older, what is important to you? Because at the end of the day, like people think politicians don't do anything for me. No, they do. They These are the people that are like creating these policies. Like the governor of California is moving. He is fucking moving and he is doing. And he, and we voted for him, right? And so you do, you do see change. So you have to figure out what's important to you and figure out which party or which candidates align with your beliefs and vote that way. Um, but don't not vote at all and don't get un- don't not be involved in politics because you feel like you can't relate because you're so detached because none of this phases you. It does, and it will phase you as we get older, as these policies are in place. So um, that's one thing that I took from this whole debacle on Twitter lately about, you know, blacks for Twitter or blacks for Trump or um, black Republicans or women for Trump, whoever, just figure out what values are most important to you, research them, and see who is most aligned to your values. That was a mouthful, and I'm done talking about politics for a while. So let's get into dropping gems. The topic of this week is all about the hymen. Um, You know, the hymen. Uh, Yeah, I was going to talk about this in Talkworthy, because of T.I. Um, and the recent news. But, you know, I felt like I can dive a little bit deeper in dropping gems. I feel like I have some gems to drop in this topic. So if you don't know what's been going on, let me just brief you really quickly. T.I. said in a recent interview on the podcast Ladies Like Us that has now been deleted um, about his daughter Deja. He said this. Deja just graduated high school. She's attending her first year of college, figuring it out for herself, the rapper says. And yes, not only have we had the conversation, the sex conversation, we have yearly trips to the gynecologist to check her hymen. The rapper then recalls that the morning after his daughter's 16th birthday, I put a sticky note on the door. I wrote, gyno, tomorrow, 930. So we'll go and sit down and the doctor will come and talk to me and say, you know, 
the doctor's maintaining a high level of professionalism. He's like, you know, sir, I have to in order to share information. I'm like, yeah, Deja, they want you to sign this so we can share information. Is there anything you would not want me to know? See, doc, no problem. Okay. Holy guacamole. What the fuck is happening here? First of all, let's just get into Planned Parenthood. They tweeted, I don't know who needs to hear this, but virginity is a made-up social construct, and it has absolutely nothing to do with your hymen. Say it fucking again, Planned Parenthood. Um, I felt so inclined to talk about this. There's two things I want to get into. First of all, my hymen. I would it pop my cherry, my hymen, whatever. That shit was gone in seventh grade after a dance performance. So this is why what he's saying is like a little like uninformed. I think that's the best word that I can use is uninformed. And he said that the doctor told him you can lose your hymen in many ways. If she plays sports, if she wears a tampon, anything, right? Um, some people's are hymens are already when, even when they're born, they're when they're younger, they're already stretched, they're already thin, right? So he's a little bit misinformed or uneducated on this topic. If my parents were checking my hymen, then they probably would have thought that I lost my virginity at the age of twelve. I was in Hawaii at a dance competition. And after we performed, um, we went back to the hotel room. Then we got back on. We were getting on a plane the next day. And at the airport, I was bleeding. And everyone was like, and I told my dance coach, I didn't know what to do. And she was like, oh, my God, you started your period. And everyone's like, oh, Milana started her period, right? Um, it was <laughs> really embarrassing. <laughs> and so I thought I started my period, right? I got a pat on and everything. I was like, oh, I'm such a big girl. I started my period. That shit never came back. That, that that period did not come back for another like year and a half or so. That wasn't my fucking period. That was my hymen. I was bleeding because I was dancing. I was doing the splits. I was pop lock and dropping and dropped. The hymen dropped. So, yeah, I want to uh, uh, talk about, about cultural obsession with the hymen. Um, I don't know who came up with this, but this needs to go. This is a way to oppress women. In my culture, I'm Armenian. And maybe not Americanized Armenian culture, but like somewhere in the villages of Armenia or just traditional Armenia. I don't want to insult anybody. There is a uh, practice called the Red Apples. I don't know what the official name is, but I call it the Red Apples because that's the it, you give red apples, right? Here, here's this is what happens. You're supposed to be a virgin when you get married, and mind you, we're only talking about women because there's no way to test if a man's a virgin, right? Um, that I know of. So you're supposed to be a virgin when you get married. So good Armenian girls are virgins. They get married. And on their wedding night, they have sex with their husband. And they're supposed to bleed because they're virgins. And they're supposed to bleed on the sheets. And his family is supposed to come in, check the sheets to make sure there's blood there. Um, and if there is, hooray, she's a virgin. And then they bring red apples to her family's house the next day and have a celebration that um, she was a virgin. So there's obviously a lot of problems with this because like I said, your hymen can go bye-bye at the age of 12. So if you don't bleed on your wedding night, like you're, you're ostracized. Like you're, you're, you get a divorce, your family, like, you know what I mean? Depends on obviously your husband, maybe he doesn't give a shit, but it is a standard practice to do this there. Um, women go through great measures to cut themselves um, they cut themselves, so they, they kind of like put it on the sheet so it looks like they bled. I mean, I've heard like horror stories about this. So I obviously am not doing the red apples practice. Um, I actually told my parents when I was like 10 and I heard about this, like this is insane and this is like stone age shit. We're not doing this. My parents were like, oh my God, no, this is like, no, we're not doing this kind of shit. But anyway, enough of the virginity and that. I want to talk about strict parenting. Um, let me tell you what strict parenting gets to you. A confused, sad, scared, sneaky-ass fucking child. That's what strict parenting gets you. And um, I'm not going to criticize his parenting skills. I don't have a child, and I sure in the hell, like, wouldn't want anyone criticizing me when I am a parent. Um, but I do try to use these topics to share my personal experiences, like, hence the name of the show, starring Milana, right? My personal experiences, hoping that someone can relate. So I'm kind of looking for a happy medium here. You know, um, TI is so involved, but I feel like in 
the wrong ways if he's asking the doctor about her hymen. I do think that it's great that he cares about his daughter's health and he wants her to get checked up and in a way that he's like protective. But I think this is just taking it way too far, right? You have this extreme where he's going to the doctor and she's now 18 years old and he's making her sign a release form so he has a record of all of her health, like kind of scaring the shit out of her not to have sex or do anything, right? Um, that is one extreme. And then you have the other extreme of parents who don't talk about it at all because it's taboo and they just basically say, just don't do it. That's what I was basically raised with, 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 with the don't do it approach. And there was no conversation. It's strange for like I don't know I don't know about everyone else, but like foreign like I don't know, foreign fathers to really talk about sex with their daughters like that, so they just don't. Um, and the mothers just say we we skromnaya, which kind of means like I don't know how to translate this in English. Something along the lines of like be like shy or like be like like um like just. Uh, I, I don't know, basically don't be a whore. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> but that's all my mother's ever said to me leaving the house, right? Don't do it and be skromne. And it's like, what the fuck are you left with, right? You, you go back to high school and you're learning about sex education in ninth grade. You're not even having sex. I mean, I, I don't know people that were having sex in ninth grade. We're not having sex in ninth grade. So it goes in one year, out the other. You take some tests and you call it a day. And they don't revisit this topic ever again so everything that you know about sex and aside from what they teach you in ninth grade for one semester that you don't even remember is what your parents teach you and if your parents aren't teaching you or talking about or having an open communication then you don't fucking know shit i feel like both of these tactics are they're kind of like scare tactics both of these are the latter kind of prevents the kids from coming to their parents like once they reach um a certain age when they're ready to explore their sexuality they won't go to their parents. Um, I dealt with a few things in my personal health, and I had to figure it out on my own. And it was a really, really hard time for me. Um, not only are you going through the emotional and the mental confusion of growing up, being a woman, exploring your sexuality and your relationship with, with someone of the opposite sex. You're young, you don't know what's going on, you're so emotional, you're hormonal. Not only do you have that aspect of it, but... You also have the health part of it. I remember being 12 years old or 14 years old, and I was at a yearly checkup, and my mom was with me, and I remember the doctor saying, do you want to give her an HPV vaccination? And my mom was like, no, why? She's not going to have sex until she gets married. Like, honey, your husband can't give you HPV? What are we talking about here, right? Like, just, just so, um, I don't even know what the word is. In such, yes, in such denial um, that it's unfortunate, right? And, and it's just a really, it's uh, uninformed is the best and kindest way that I can explain, um, these kinds of tactics of parents, right? And I went through some really hard times with my health and confusion and mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, I remember being in a doctor's office and just waiting to hear information, what was happening. And, just being in that room by myself under those fucking fluorescent lights, uh, in that gown alone, like waiting, crying, it, it it just made me like almost resent my parents. Don't get me wrong, like I love my parents, but these are the moments that stick with you for the rest of your life because you go through life thinking like you don't even know me, you know. Like there are moments where with my with with my family that I had growing up, where it's like you can't tell me shit because you don't really know me, and that's what I'm thinking because I, that's what's in my head. Because at the end of the day, like there's a part of me, there's a whole life outside of this that you don't even know anything about because you're so closed off to it because you close that door of communication so early on. There's a part of me that you don't even know and you'll never know, and that's not only about like sexuality or like sex or anything like that but you know about dating and relationships and just anything that has to do with the opposite sex the door was shut because culturally it's just not something that we talk about so for me like I ended up growing up with this kind of feeling like you don't even know me and that creates a riff in the relationship that's resentment that's everything that you don't want when you're raising daughters so I don't even like know what's worse. It's like T.I. being this involved, trying to figure out if her hymen is still intact or parents who are just like so dis 
disconnected from what's really going on with their kids who just don't know anything because their kids are kind of forced to be sneaky or to hide what they're going through. And, you know, for people, some people might hear this and be like, you could have went to your parents. Like, no, you don't understand. Once that divide is created, once when you're young and this is like constantly like beat into your head that like you just don't do it, you just don't have sex. Like, no, like you don't go to those people. Those are not the people that you go to in moments of confusion or um, fear or uh, anything. It's not who you go to to talk about these things. Um, it makes your sexual engagements like secretive and it creates like a very sneaky environment and it kind of makes you feel shameful. And I think that is a feeling that I had for a long time, like ashamed um, for living my life, you know? And I don't regret anything, but I do think that a lot of this has to do, had to do with the stigma that um, a woman's sexuality, that comes with a woman's sexuality. Um, I don't have kids right now at this moment. I don't know the proper way of raising kids or having these conversations, but I will use my personal really difficult experience to raise my kids. Um, I think that creating like an open and safe communication is the key. Even if you're listening to things that you don't want to hear as a parent, that's the only way that you're going to be a good parent or a helpful parent is to actually know what's going on. And when you shut those doors of communication, you just, there's a part of your kid's life that you'll never, you'll never know. So I think that when you are a parent, you have to use your life experience to teach your children so they don't make the same mistakes as you or they're more aware or um, I don't know. You just have to use what you've already learned. And instead of saying don't do it or scaring them not to do certain things, you have to explain and talk about your experiences because that is the only way that they will listen to what you're saying, hear what you're saying, respect what you're saying, and process what you're saying because you actually went through it. Like, we are the adults. We are the wise ones. We are the ones that have lived through it. I wish that I, you know, got that approach. I had to go to my friend's aunt to um, talk to an adult about these kinds of things. You know, thank God I had her. But most people don't even have that. So I think that as a parent, you have to you know, just teach your kids maybe the things that you didn't know or the things that you list that you experienced um, yourself. So that's really all I have to say. Fuck the hymen. Literally and figuratively, actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's that's it. I hope that um, you guys can relate a little bit to this topic. It's really kind of awkward and uncomfortable talking about it. Um, don't get me wrong. I love my parents, love my, they did a great job, they've done everything for me, but you know, there are parts um, in our relationship where there were some issues, and nobody's perfect, um, and yeah, I, I, I just, I, I talk about this because I, I, I don't want the next generation of, of us raising our children in the same way, um, you, I just want, I just want us to be better, uh, but obviously, T.I. didn't get the memo, so uh, here we are. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I would love to hear your personal stories. Um, you guys can DM me if it's a little too personal. If not, feel free to leave a comment. I would love to get a dialogue going. You never know if your story can inspire somebody. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to leave a rating and a review, subscribe, comment, and all the good things. And we'll be back next week. Happy Veterans Day.